Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are continuing our salute to Los Angeles radio station KFI on their 50th anniversary. And our host for this show is the lovable Jimmy Durante. This is Jimmy Durante speaking, and I want to add my interpretations to KFI on this anniversary. said I gotta be glamorous so I went to a plastic surgeon I had it enlarged <laughs> now you know that you can't go wrong why you you know folks the first commercial program to originate from Hollywood for a full season 39 weeks was my program. During the season, we had Ruth Edding, the singer, and Dave Rubinoff conducting the orchestra. What a combination. Ruth Edding was at the peak of her popularity at the time. She sang two numbers on the show. Her husband then was Moe de Gimp Schneider, a well-known character. He was always there during the rehearsals, and as soon as the engineer and the agency director had set a balance between Ruth's voice and the orchestra, Moe would go over to Ruth with a piece of chalk and mark her shoes on the carpet. Now, Ruthie, he would say, don't you move one of those marks. And she never did. Beginning the fall of 1933 and running well in to June 1934, the program was on the air for one hour every Sunday afternoon. Here's an excerpt, ex, I can't get that word, an excerpt from the program of October 15, 1933. <laughs> uh, I saw you out at the golf course today, Jimmy. With whom were you playing? I played, I was playing with Eddie Cantor. Oh, yeah? You know, we played a foursome. Now, Jimmy, when two people play, it's not a foursome, it's a twosome. Well, this twosome was a foursome. I won $5 from Eddie Cantor, and I had a foursome to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you play a good game today? Pretty good. You know, I got a 14, 14 on the first hole, a 15 on the second hole, a 16 on the third hole, and then I blew up. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough to make anybody blow up, Jimmy. That's nothing, Fred. You know, on the fourth tee, I take five swings at the ball, and I miss each time. Yeah? There's a guy standing there watching me, and he gets on my nerves. He's just a spectator, so I said to him, Listen, buddy, only golfers are allowed on this course. 
And he says, that's all right. If you don't tell anyone, I won't. <laughs> there he had you. It's a cassock, so spread that funny. Jimmy, does Eddie Cantor play a good game? No, Fred. Today was the first time he ever played. And he said to me, Jimmy, what do you do first? So I told him the first thing you do is address the ball. Yeah. So he walked right up to the ball and said, good morning. <laughs> a makeshift radio studio was set up on the RKO lot. And that's where we broadcast the program from. For the 39 weeks I was on the air. I always felt kind of sorry for the studio audiences we had. You see, we had iron seats set up for the audience, and they must have gotten pretty hard during the hour we were on the air. Then after our show was over, the studio audience stayed for another half hour for the Will Rogers show. The problem was we only had one audience studio, and since Will followed me on the air, we had to use the same audience. Actually, the Will Rogers show originated in New York. The music, the announcer, and the commercials were just Will being inserted from Hollywood about the middle of the half hour. It's amazing. But during those early years, I don't think we ever made a mistake. And if we did, there's nobody around that can prove it. Now, here's a bit I did with Bing around 1944. You know, he was always jealous of me, that Bing. I think it was the way I sang. You gotta start off each day with a song. <laughs> Why, even when things... How long can that cause me oh, last? Jimmy! You feel better... You even look better. Jimmy. Huh? Great to see you. Great to see you. <laughs> but why are you so late? I couldn't help it. I just returned from a rendezvous with fame. I just stuck my nose in the cement at Grauman's Chinese. <laughs> Must have made quite an impression. Impression? It was horrible, terrible. The manager came out, took one look at it, and fainted dead away. Why? He thought it was a bomb crater. <laughs> Imagine what happened if Hope dropped in there, huh? But it's great being up there on Hollywood Boulevard. All those beautiful dames. No kidding. A sailor came down the street with a blonde on one arm. He looked like a cruiser. Another sailor came down the street with a brunette on his arm. He looked like a battleship. Another sailor came down the street with a blonde on one arm, a brunette on the other. He looked like an aircraft carrier. How are you doing? Shake hands with a rowboat. <laughs> doesn't make any difference, Jim, what's what you did, as long as you were there. I was there, and tonight I'm here. But it don't make no difference whether Durante's here or there, because you always know he's there when you hear... Now, once upon a time, they sang the Bodeo Joe, but that was long ago. Then everybody started in the boo for juice. They got tired of that, you know. Crosby, I'll give you fifty dollars to show me that note in the music. Put up, put up. Show me, put up, put up in the music. <laughs> Fair price. Crosby, you show me the music. Too bad I can't read. <laughs> but the tune for you and me. That obligata was very unnecessary. <laughs> well played. Is that swingy symphony? They called it ink. I think it is. I think it do. Let me hear that thing. Oh, what a room for Ah, ink. 
How'd he do? My number, Mr. Crosby. Sorry, I was carried away. Everybody wants to get into the act. <laughs> you know, I went to the circus the other day, and I seen an elephant looking down at a little mouse. The elephant was saying to the mouse, look at the size of me and look at the size of you. Why, you're nothing but a wretched, insignificant little shrimp. The little mouse looked up at the elephant and said, listen, I've been sick. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Now, it's. I think it is. I think it is. Let me hear that band. What a band, eh? I think it is. I think it is. I think it is. Why, it's got the whole world spooning. You know, I was puttering around in my victory garden when I sees a little worm stick its head above the ground. It looks around and sees another little worm stick its head out of the ground. I eave drips. The first... <laughs> the first little worm says to the second little worm, How do you do? You're very pretty. I would like to marry you. And the second little worm says, Don't be a dope. It's your other end. <laughs> I said to me, I didn't get in. I didn't get in. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Forces Radio and Television Service proudly presents the Retirement 2, yes, third. Did you hear about Brock? He's gonna retire. Brock, the astronaut? He's been in the Navy 25 years, hasn't he? Yeah, but now he's getting out, and he's got a problem. What's that? There isn't too much work for an unemployed moonwalker. What's he gonna do? Oh, it's okay. He signed up with Referral, the Department of Defense Computer, and it matched his training with available civilian jobs. So? So now he's a pit boss in a Vegas hotel. I don't get it. The computer said, what else can you do with a man whose military job was sitting on top of 15,000 separate parts, each one supplied by the lowest bidder? He's obviously a gambler. Financial security, retirement pay, life insurance. Those are just a few of the benefits from the armed forces. Find out about all of them from your personnel officer. Yes, sir. Victor Moore was a regular on my show in the late 40s, and what a great personality he was. His ability did along with Peggy Lee and Hot Brit Hooligan. But now, ladies and gentlemen, to proceed from the nonsensical to the non-secretor which is just 20 miles this side of San Bidu. I'm proud to present... Pardon me, is this the take it or leave it program? <laughs> no, why do you want the take it or leave it program? Well, nobody will take what I've got and I'd like to leave it. <laughs> It's that dashing dilettante, Victor Moore. You know, Victor. Victor, it's good to see you brimming over with vim, vigor, and vitamins. Thank you, Jimmy. Good to see you, too. You know you're as refreshing as a scented breeze drifting like a skylark over a purple lagoon. <laughs> ah, those are beautiful words. Where did you ever learn them? I do know all cars laundry, and they were scribbled on an old shirt tail. <laughs> that I understand. 
Well, what's this I hear about you suffering from insomnia? Insomnia, nothing. I can't even sleep. <laughs> what did I say? Excuse me, please, Mr. Durante. I was just listening to your program in my automobile and learned that you have insomnia. I'm Professor Schultz, PBS, PhD, LLD. That's a funny way to spell Schultz. <laughs> Victor, Victor, please. We're in the presence of a man with a night school diploma. Mr. Durante, at the University of Heidelberg, I discovered a sure cure for insomnia. Oh. Now, if you buy this phonograph record, a Brahms lullaby, and when you go to bed tonight, you play it over and over, I guarantee you will fall down asleep. <laughs> Sounds all right, but won't I have to wake up to turn off the record? Oh, that's what everybody says. I just can't sell any of these records. <laughs> Well, color too bad his brain doesn't have an automatic changer. Uh, Jimmy, you don't need that guy. But what can I do to get a little sleep? Well, this thing calls for a scientific approach. Tell me, when you go to bed, do you lie with your nose over the covers or under the covers? Victor, the nose is the covers. Uh, <laughs> if I could plug it, if I could plug in this schnoz, I'd have the biggest electric blanket in town. <laughs> but Victor, let's ignore me and my dilemmas. I may not be able to sleep, but if I could, here comes the girl I dream about. It's Peggy Lee. Greetings. <laughs> Peggy, might I say that you're looking today chick tonight? <laughs> well, so are you, Jimmy. As a matter of fact, I don't know which one of you is prettier tonight, you or Victor. Well, I got dimples. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Victor may have dimples, but I got, uh, well, I got... I must have something. <laughs> He's got insomnia. Ah, oh, you poor thing. Jimmy, what you need is some fresh air and relaxation. I went out to the racetrack yesterday, and I feel terrific. Say, that sounds like a good idea. Did you win any money? Well, I was wearing a dress with a new look, so I only bet to win and play. How come? Oh, with a new look dress, nothing ever shows. Ah, uh, <laughs> you blonde bombshell, you... <laughs> Say, that's funny that you mentioned the racetrack, Peggy. Just this afternoon, I found a free pass to the clubhouse. See, Jimmy, we can go out and spend the whole afternoon in Santa Anita without spending a dime. A tempting proposition. Racing farms, racing farms, get your racing farms here. One side, my good man, we're not betting today. That's right, buddy. Now let me have that free pass, Victor. Come on, Victor, let's rub hoofs with the horsey set. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? What's this? The Bluegrass Stable is auctioning off their entire stock. Now, the first horse is a two-year-old named Free Pass. I'll start the bidding at $2,500. Who'll make the next bid on Free Pass? Who'll make it twenty-eight on Free Pass? Gosh, Jimmy, isn't this interesting? We'll make it 28. Yeah, and to think we got in on a Free Pass. What did you say? Free Pass. Sold to the man with the big nose. <laughs> now, wait a minute. All bids are final. That's $2,800 for the horse, $40 for trainer's fees, $60 for stable charges, and the horse has a $700 food bill. $700 for food? Where does this horse eat at the Macombo? <laughs> Don't be silly, Jimmy. They wouldn't let him in there without a necktie. <laughs> this is no time for joshing. How am I going to get back my $3,300? Spread out, boys. It's hot breath, hula hand. But, but pension, Eastern States, we just solved your heating problem. Miss Houlihan. I didn't know you were interested in a sport of kings. 
Are you kidding? Why, uh, the last time Seabiscuit ran in the Kentucky Derby, I was standing at the finish line. What happened? It was the first time the jockey came in ahead of the horse. <laughs> I think I know how that boy felt. Turn off your motor, Pudgy. You're running out of gas. <laughs> Wait a minute, hot breath. Maybe you can help me get my money back on this horse I just bought. You seem to know a lot about horses. Well, Natch, I'm from Texas. Whenever I go away from Texas, I feel like I've left a part of me there. If you'll have it shipped out here, I'll be happy to pay the freight. <laughs> Listen, I got some information that's right out of the horse's mouth. That sounds like an awful sloppy place to keep. <laughs> Victor, Victor, Victor. Look, boys, the horse you just bought is entered in the next race. Now, for $500, I think I can fix it so he's got a chance to win. Good. What's your plan? I'll put a martini in his oats, a Manhattan in his hay, and a bucket of champagne in his water trough. Will that make him win? I don't know. But if he loses, he'll be the happiest horse on the track. <laughs> it's a deal, hot bread. Here's the $500. Thanks. Free pass will be the last entry, number 10. So long, flute snoot. So long. And goodbye to you, lover lips. It gets around. It gets around. You know, my father was a barber. And even after he retired, he always carried a comb and a pair of scissors around him. Once, I brought him out here to Hollywood, and one day I took him to the studio. They practically had to use force to restrain him from tidying the locks of some of the well-known movie idols. It was humiliating. My father saw me work for the first time in a show called The New Yorkers. After we did the first show, I asked my dad what he thought of my performance. And he said, listen, son, let's not get into an argument. I remember teaming up with Eddie Cannon one night for a program heard on FKI. Excuse me, please. My name is Steinway. I came to scratch my name off the piano. Eddie! <laughs> Eddie! Eddie Cantor! Thank you. On the level, Jimmy, you know, you know it's awfully nice to visit with you. Yes, Eddie, it sure is good to see you again. If you was a girl, I'd kiss you. <laughs> if I was a girl, Jessel would have married me long ago. <laughs> You and I have been together a long, long time, and I sure am proud of you. You're keeping right up to date on the fashion. What do you mean? You're the only man I know who's wearing the new ankle-length nose. <laughs> it used to be only knee-length, but I let out the hem. <laughs> you let it out a little too much. Ah, <laughs> Reddy, you being here reminds me of old times. Believe yes, me. Yes, Jimmy, we do go back a long time, don't we? Makes me think, makes me think of the act I did with Gus Edwards years ago. 
I worked with a swell bunch of kids then. Walter Winchell, Irving Berlin, Harry Richmond, Georgie Price, and Al Jolson. And to think I made good. You know, Jimmy, I... I often wonder... What? Whatever became of those other kids? <laughs> Swallowed up by a cruel world. <laughs> what do you figure is the biggest song you've had in show business, Eddie? Well, Jimmy, in my humble opinion, I'd say it was... Another bride, another groom, another sunny honeymoon, another season, another reason for making whoopee. Yeah, Reddy, I've, I've often envied you, working on all those Dickfield shows with those gorgeous Polly's girls. Oh, those gorgeous Polly's girls, Jimmy. <laughs> Let me tell you something, it's like working in a candy store. After the first day, you never bother with the candy. <laughs> but, oh, that first day. Oh. <laughs> ah, show business. It's been rather good to both of us, James. And in 40 years of show business, I think I found out why the people love the guy with the big nose. It's because the guy with the big nose has a heart to match. Yesterday, they told you you would not go far. That night, you open, and there you are. Next day on your dressing room, they hung a star. Let's go on with the show. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. A happy 50th anniversary. And as always, good night, folks. And good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. up this edition of the golden days of radio this is frank brzee in hollywood california inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from radio's golden days this is the american forces radio and television service